welcome to my first official full episode or segment of my new podcast series. I've called it Natural Recovery from Suffering. That makes sense to me to call it what we call our work, actually, our somatic work. It used to be called KI. We sometimes refer to it as KI, which was Killaby Inquiries, but now it's Natural Recovery from Suffering. You know, that phrase encompasses so much for me. I've been in a healing cycle because of this work for about seven years. <clears throat> and so my life, that word or that phrase, I should say, encompasses my life. And also so many of the broad topics within it. Because to me, ultimately, recovery is about discovering our, th our authentic selves. Discovering who and what we really are. We're recovering from the unconsciousness. From the trauma, the emotional repression, the suffering. And, and the impact that that will have on our lives and on the lives of humans on this earth is just profound. So I had to call it that. But I'm going to talk about so many different topics. And you know, tonight I'm just going to talk about a topic that I think some of you know I'm interested in, but I, I had been a little bit in the closet about it as a teacher, which was um, aliens. Oh, God, I hate that word. I don't like the word. I always say it because I'm, then you know what I'm talking about. But look, I just want to see if these, if these folks have inquiry. I want to know what kind of spiritual methods they had to do in order to have consciousness-assisted technology. That's all that I'm really interested in. Can we please discover whether there are other, are other life forms visiting this earth so that I can talk to the people who do their spiritual inquiries, <laughs> who create those? Um, I can't even imagine. Anyway, that's where my mind goes when I think about... Um, the various documentaries that float across the screen on social media on about or the apps I should say HBO Max Hulu Netflix I watch those um, I don't watch them addictively there was a time when I did because it was just so much fun especially well I started to watch them again when the congressional hearings in the United States happened around the UAPs and the um, possible alien technology that had been discovered or actually more than discovered had been used by the allegedly by the United States government and then they lied to the people for decades apparently so if people used to believe that then you were crazy you're just batshit crazy I remember growing up in Indiana and there was one guy I almost don't want to say his name, the poor guy. One guy who devoted a lot of his time away from work on aliens and UFOs. And every adult that I knew made fun of him. And the kids did too. And his own kids were embarrassed because of everybody making fun of their dad for being into UFOs. This was like 1980s. UFOs were kind of getting big then, but still... You know, it depends on which conspiracy theory you, you believe or which version of reality, um, whether UFOs are just 
crazy just people dreaming. In other words, no such thing as uh, these life forms that somehow made up or hoax or something. Or other people who just are fanatical about it. But back in Indiana in 1980-something, if you were fanatical about it, you, you no, you didn't talk about that. And see, some conspiracy theorists would say, well, that's because the government was trying to shut everybody up and, and do a disinformation campaign. Right? Well, so why am I talking about this? Because I just want their inquiries. <laughs> I've, been in, I've been interested in the subject for a long time, truthfully. And it has a very, uh, for me, the extraterrestrial, the UAP, whatever, UFO, alien subject, has a deep correlation to consciousness for me. Very deep and personal, intimate, but also sort of universal, depthful sense of connectedness with I have with the universe as feeling inseparable from my very being because of the non-dual realization. So, beings who may be more evolved than us would have to have recognized the nature of their experience as being non-dual at the very basis, and that fascinates me because I'm also fascinated in the evolution of consciousness. So it all ties together for me. See, for me, even if there's no such thing as spaceships, it doesn't matter because we can use it as a metaphor or as a pointer. The, the, the potential that humans have, I think, hasn't even begun to be realized. And I think our potential is locked in our trauma and our emotional repression. As Thomas Hubel says, the frozen emotions or frozen fear in our body, the trauma is our unrealized potential. So even the, the alien subject in some way could be a pointer to the trauma work. It's all connected. I just don't talk like this when I teach on YouTube or in the members area because it's a, it's a distraction from the actual inquiry and the work that brings freedom. But it sure is fun. I have to tell you, though, the repression work helped me so much to come out of the closet in so many different ways. <clears throat> there are some really weird parts about me, I'm sure you've noticed. I don't know about weird, but they don't feel weird to me. They just feel like aspects of me. But I hid those aspects of me. And no, I'm not going to talk about the 48 years of anger repression, which I teach about all the time. I want to talk about some other repression. So I've had psychic abilities. I've had the kind of the ability to read people energetically where they're at in their spiritual search before. Those things were shut down as part of a repression in me. Even as they came up, they were shut down. And so I've had to come back into the acceptance of those things. I've had other experiences with beings and even extraterrestrial-like beings in very deep, deep inquiry and meditation uh, all, all within consciousness but with no sense of separation between me and reality 
And so the idea of whether that's real or not, or whether that happened or not, is inconsequential or irrelevant, I should say, to me. Because the experiences were so profound and life-changing that they're intricately woven into the fabric of my freedom, so to speak. Our experience shapes who and what we are, even as we awaken. It's just different. We just don't identify with these things. We can play, though. And I am back here to play. And, and so one of the things I was in the closet about was my interest in this subject of um, other life forms. And life beyond, or whether it's at different dimensions or different planets, I love the idea that there's more to discover. And that should not surprise you since I'm Scott Killaby because I'm constantly in an inquiry development and so, yeah, that just spills over to things like that subject, but also somewhat to physics and science and things like that. So we may touch upon a lot of different things like that here in this series. I'm going to invite some guests. I'm going to talk about that at the end. But some of these podcasts are just going to be like this, talking about some personal thoughts that I've had about these subjects and I just want to connect with you on coming out of repression just means I'm open to talk about it all now. I don't have to just be a teacher. You know what? My first experience um, with ecstasy was also an experience where I lost hours of time. And me and a friend a bunch of us were doing ecstasy and I had grown up with trauma and that night the idea of taking ecstasy and opening up to other human beings was actually terrifying and in fact I had a bad drug experience as a result of that taking that med that drug that night but during the taking of the drug me and a friend of mine we left the group of people we just start driving down this country road you know, and I actually, he's a friend of mine. He's the guitar player in my band, but he was the, the one guy in the band that I knew the least, or that I even kind of got along with the least. I just didn't know him that well. But I think we were just trying to bond because we took ecstasy. You know how people do that? Like you're in high school. You're like, I don't know if you did that, but like, let's take ecstasy and see if we actually really love each other, <laughs> even though we don't act like it because we have this false facade on, on all the time. Oh, I have some ecstasy stories. I didn't take it a bunch, but a few times. But this night, so we're just driving down the country road, and I'm just trying to get to know him, and it's, on this drive, I didn't feel the effects profoundly of that drug that night. I actually think my trauma in some way interfaced with it. The trauma of being bullied, and I was terrified to open up to people. So there I was driving in the car with this guy in my band that I knew the least, and yet I felt strangely comfortable with him. And it felt like we were just driving down the road for like, we went down the road for 15 minutes and then just drove back. And I mean, we didn't even have that much of a conversation. It was very friendly though. But we didn't talk about much and we didn't have time to talk about much. And we get back to the party and everybody's like, where have you guys been? You've been going for hours. <laughs> and of course, when you're on drugs... You know, you don't know, is well, was I really gone for hours? Or, 
or am I just tripping here? Or are you guys just tripping here? But anyway, the night ended, and I'm lying in bed the next night after the drug wore off. I'm about to fall asleep, and I enter that first stage of sleep where you kind of can start dreaming really early sleep. What do they call that? There's got to be a name for that stage of sleep. I'm sure somebody right now is saying it as they're listening to this. But I'm falling into that, whatever that is, and suddenly in the dream, the room starts spinning. And I mean like not when you're drunk spinning, but like spinning like a top, like the walls and the pictures on the wall in my dream. the couch, everything. And I try to wake myself up. And it's hard to wake up. And I'm in this intense vertigo. And then I wake myself up and I can see that I'm actually in the room of my, well, my parents' house where I was sleeping. I'm actually in the room. I'm awake. And the room is still spinning like that. My consciousness is spinning in like vertigo. And I sort of just fall back and just try to understand what just happened. Never had an experience like that. Vertigo in the dream and then vertigo as I wake up. And I mean really intense vertigo where I, could, I couldn't even uh, stand up. So I don't think anything about it. And then for like almost like 30 days, I think, I remember counting because it happened again. And I started to have these experiences as if something happened the night that I was on ecstasy, that, that I was abducted by aliens. I, it's the craziest thing. But, you know, here I am, a kid. I'm not the Scott Killaby that you know. I'm a young kid who is scared and is traumatized and is on drugs and just really unconscious, suffering. And I'm having these weird experiences that I can't explain. And so 30 days later, I'm again falling asleep. And I feel myself being pulled. And I wake up and I still feel that feeling of being pulled. And it's the same exact experience, very intense, being pulled this time. I keep having these experiences. And then I have like, I don't know, four months in a row of these weird experiences at sleep. And then I developed the chronic pain that I had for 28 years. It, was, it started then in my spine. And I'd had ever since. And that's the pain that got worse and worse and worse until I healed it with our tools. This is the same pain that I've been talking about healing. But it never left me the feeling that those people, when they said we were gone for hours, that they were right and that we were not right about that. Even though we both thought we'd only been gone not very long at all. And they were like four hours or something, a long time. I didn't think anything of that because after 
a while, you know, you think, oh, that's just some, that's just me being a kid, you know. And I'm in a musician, and I'm writing songs. I've got a wild imagination, so I just, you know, chalk it off to that's what that is. But then years later, after getting clean off drugs and alcohol and getting on the spiritual search and then having the non-dual experience, the non-dual experience was, of course, happened when I was completely sober. And it was, it's still with me the sense that everything is me, or is there is no separation here is the best way to say that. There's no separation. That was a profound, there's no word for that, of course, that shift in perception. But I want to talk about that because in some way, it ties into all this. I'll let you decide if and how you will tie that into this. But this was a deep experience, and I, it's a universal experience. I had a heart opening at the same time. So for those who follow that kind of spiritual awakening, it's like a head, head awakening into that sense of oneness, but then the heart opened too. So the universality of it, the love, undeniable. And so there was this felt connection with the entire cosmos. That's me. You see the connection? I feel it to the very core of my being right now. That if there were life forms somewhere, that they are me. That there's no separation. Distance itself is an illusion. That in some fundamental way, you, me, we are the cosmos, consciousness. And if there's a they, they are too. And But I didn't connect these things at the time of the non-dual realization. At the time of the non-dual realization, it's just the sense that I am that. You may ask, what? You are what? Whatever. <laughs> There's no separation. So I am that. But, the, but that's the heart and the deep universal connection, I think, that I really felt with the notion that there might be other life forms or there could be an evolution of consciousness. There's something deeper than what we see in our everyday ego consciousness. That's for sure. That's undeniable. Non-dual realization is a real shift in perception for sure. So, but then life goes on, you know, the non-dual realization, I start teaching all that, blah, blah, okay. I develop this pain, gets worse and worse and worse and worse over time, even after I've told the story. Even after the shift, with all that peace, pain in my spine keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And of course, come to find out later, that's anger, repression, and trauma in my spine. And, well, through the process of developing this, these inquiries, natural recovery from suffering, called KI, my pain was healed, of course, through that whole process of developing that. I talked about that. But I also want to remind those who, or tell people who've never heard this story and remind those who have, that 
after beginning developing the 3D work, the repression work, the most advanced form of the KI work we have, or the inquiries, I was again in just sitting and being, <laughs> but in just the felt sense of no separation. And at the same time, I was in the process of healing, so there was sensation there, which was painful in that, but still there was the knowing of no separation, that time and space are illusion. If you could just imagine, I'm just sitting in an RV, living in an RV, developing that repression work that heals, that heal, was healing my chronic pain. But at the same time of having chronic pain, I still have that sense of oneness, the non-dual. And in that experience, as I'm going deep into the unconscious within that, which means the buried stuff, I start to have insights and layers get lifted. I had so many different experiences that I can't even, past life experiences, experiences with collective consciousness, like a whole group of monks <laughs> chanting and the word brethren coming up and I never used the word. I mean, all kinds of weird experiences. But this night when I was sitting there, I saw these beings I felt these beings, I should say. And they were there communicating with me in a very clear way, but without saying a word. I'll tell you about what they showed me in the next segment. So what they're conveying to me is that how I put words to it later was you can only see what you can see. You can't see what you can't see, in other words. You can't feel what you can't feel, and you can't know what you can't know. And that's how consciousness is. As we're unconscious, we just can't see things. There are things here that we can't see in our direct experience. Aspects of reality life that we have no clue about and they were letting me know that and they were sh pointing upwards at a rung of some beings that i did not recognize i couldn't even tell you what they were you know if you see something that you have no point of reference for you can't it's very hard to describe it because you know if you see something you know you go oh that's i know that or that's like something that i know but these beings not like anything that i had seen before and they were different all of them but they they were all in one rung rung that was round and i was standing at the bottom of that the if you can imagine a rung a circle around you very large almost like a stadium smaller than that but and then a rung of people right above you like one rung and they're all looking down at me and i'm looking up at them and they're smiling as if I'm seeing something and they're happy <laughs> for me to see that. Yet I don't know what's going on. I'm just looking around. And then I look back at the beings and they point up and they 
I see a wrong above those, that group of people or beings, and then a wrong above that and above that, and it goes all the way up. And each of the wrongs, the beings on each of the wrongs could not see above them. They could only see down. They could all see me. And I could, I was getting a glimpse to be able to see all of it. It's like the beings were showing it to me. Like you can look up and see that there's great potential, but <laughs> you're unconscious. So it was like giving me an insight. And it, it, the insight was also that with each of the rungs, those beings or where you're at at that stage of consciousness, you can't see beyond that. But you can see and include everything that you've already transcended. And you've probably experienced that in awakening. It's like you come to a different reality or different understanding, and it includes the old understandings. Like you see why you believe those things or why they were there, but now there's a different, greater understanding. And that's what those rungs represented to me. The evolution of consciousness or is my own words. They never used those words. That was never conveyed to me. So... I'm sitting up and looking at all these rungs, and I can tell that this, in this experience or dream or whatever you want to call it, I was being shown something. I knew that. And you have to remember, I was also in pretty excruciating pain. And the inquiries that I had developed, the 3D, had helped me see through layers of the repression and trauma in that pain already. So there was insight coming here, but it was coming in this way. And as I looked up at the rungs, from the very top rung sort of folded into the rung below it, and that rung folded into the rung below it, and all the rungs came down. And the beings looked at me as if to say, we're putting all this with you. But it's as if to say it's with every person. You're not special. It's just everybody has this potential. I'm showing it to you now. But they didn't tell me, you, you couldn't know all that. That's what they were conveying. You can't possibly know all that. It's here. But you can't know all, you're not ready. There's something beyond the awakening that we know, that we talk about. There's a deeper, and I can't put my finger on it to articulate it yet. I think more will be revealed, but they were telling me that. And this was also at a time when I was in a bypass in my spiritual practice. I had become a teacher and had buried anger, a non-dual teacher who pointed to present moment awareness and seven books on the subject, actually. And I had, I had hit like a sort of a holding pattern of anger repression that I wasn't aware of that had appeared as chronic pain. So this is at a time in my life in which I was bypassing, and so the realization that I had, the presence realization was not yet fully embodied. And so it's almost like the experience with those beings was trying to tell me you've landed. <laughs> those are the words that I use later as a teacher. We land in the idea that we've seen it all, or there's nothing else to see, or, and it's very complacent sort of safety place. We're just feeling safe. And what these beings were showing me is that there's much more to see. But at some point, it's not about seeking. And that's exactly how I feel it. It's not about seeking. It's about 
deepening into the recognition of what is. And all this insight and realization is available in those rungs, but they didn't tell me what it was. They're just pointing to me, that's in you. It's like a pointer. And then, well, 3D KI had already been well in development. But then after that, the development just went really smoothly. And I started to find all sorts of words for this work. And new words that you've heard me say and a new teaching came. A very powerful experience for me. I had another experience shortly after that. These are all very comforting experiences too. Soothing even. And I'll get in the next segment to, were these real beings? That question I'll get to in the next segment. But, it was real enough to transform my life and to make me understand that the path that I was creating was going to heal me. There was a confidence about that. After that experience, I had another, another experience later where I actually invited beings back. So I was in pain one day and I was just playing around. I was developing the work. So I was being really open. Like anything in the universe, love, light, bliss, aliens, whatever, <laughs> just playing in reality, knowing that all of that is part of the illusion, just playing to see what could I evoke within my own consciousness. It was really just a game within my own experience, and I knew that because I don't experience separation. But I was playing, and so I was calling on these beings because I was in a lot of pain, and that was comforting. I'd hit a stalemate in the development, and I was stuck. And I was in pain, the development of this healing work. And I called on these beings, and two beings of like light came into my awareness. My eyes were closed at this point. And they were just showing me that the deepest healing comes from really allowing things. And they actually danced, in a way, around sensations to show me that the deepest realizations come from a gentle curiosity to simply see into the depths of the unconscious. And that when something arises, what we want to do is fully welcome that. And they were showing it to me. I, I could draw this out, actually. This is a visual I had of these beings dancing green and yellow around sensation. And I don't experience the inside and the outside as separate. So, you know, you might say, are they dancing in my body? Are they dancing in reality? There's no inside and out. This is an inside out path. Which leads me to the next segment where I'm going to discuss probably some burning questions that some people have. Scott, you're a non-dual teacher. <laughs> you're talking about beings. Are they real? Let's talk about that in the next section. Inevitably, people ask, okay, Scott, are these beings actual aliens from another dimension or planet, or were you just dreaming in consciousness? Well, let me tell you about that. I have put into the world inquiries called the living inquiries that invite people to look to see whether any object 
that you can experience has any independent existence from your own presence. And guess what? No object can be experienced as independent from your awareness. That's science, that's physics, that's evolution, evolutionary research, that's non-duality. But it has to be directly experienced. So once it's directly experienced, and as, as I was saying, the inside and outside, there's no division in a non-dual realization. And there aren't any other divisions in a really embodied realization. So the idea of objects, <coughs> divisions, isn't really there. So in exploring different objects through the living inquiries, looking at the self, other, the earth, people, things, government, cancer, none of these things exist in the way that we experience them. In other words, in order to experience an object, we have to have awareness, which is foundational, and then thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So, if you, if I say, how do you know China? You hear the word, that's a thought. You might have a sensation about it, or a feeling, that's a feeling. You might have an image of something about China, that's an image. That's how you know China directly in awareness. You can't know a China outside of that. If you were live if you were in China and you said, I know a China outside of my thoughts, and you touch the ground, there would just be a sensation there. And the sensation wouldn't indicate China. It would just in indicate hardness in awareness. But a thought might arise and say, No, I'm in China, damn it. That's just a thought. And there might be a sensation that says, no, I'm, I know I'm right about that. That's actually just a sensation. You can't know a China outside of that as an object. You can't know any object outside of your experience of thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So when people say, was this experience real? Uh, are these beings, what do you mean by that? I can't know anything apart from my thoughts, feelings, and, and sensations. I can't go beyond that and discover whether they're really real. <laughs> like we can't go beyond and see, is there really a China out there? If we're not aware of it and thinking about it and observing it, and we can't know any of that. Space and time is like a headset, a convenient tool for knowing how to survive. It's how Donald Hoffman, researcher, scientist, physicist, says it. So when people say, well, is, is, are, do they really exist? Well, there's no division ultimately between existence and non-existence. Those things can only be known through awareness and thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So just look to where you have energy on something. When you have energy on something like repression or emotion or fear, things feel real, separate. Trust the body, see? But when there's not a lot of energy on something, things don't feel that way in the same way. You know, like if you've ever looked at something and processed it and there's no energy around it anymore, and you start thinking about it, like my high school prom was a disaster, but I did trauma work on it. And when I think about it, it's just like a thought. My high school prom was a disaster and there's no 
energy on it and there's no suffering. I felt everything that I needed to feel, everything that makes up this object of my prom that's, that sucked. And so in a non-dual realization, you start to experience every object that way, even self, as being empty and not independent in any way, not separate. So this is another reason why I'm so interested in the UFO, UAP thing, because these beings, whatever we say, we don't, I don't say real or unreal, are none other than me and you. But also everything else is. That's how vast, unlimited this seeing is. These beings, not being separate from what we are, aren't really special. Neither is this cup of coffee that has a little bit of smudge on the edge. It's kind of gross looking. <laughs> That's also not separate from me. But of course, I didn't do a podcast about coffee because that's not as interesting as beings. <laughs> the beings bring up the questions of, is that real? Because we have a curiosity, don't we? And that's another reason why I'm interested in the alien question because it takes us a little bit deeper into this question, who the hell are we? What the fuck is going on? And I think that that's, that's why I like the idea of, this is just my little fun play like oh i want to meet the aliens can they can you show me your inquiries i bet they're awesome <laughs> so i don't have any energy on whether they're real or unreal or they exist or not i don't have a belief in these beings like some people do i just have a, a curiosity from direct experience as i explore my reality generally this is a part of my reality that i find interesting that relatively speaking, there may be some beings that are more evolved. In the absolute sense, they have no separate substance from what I am. And neither does this lamp. But relatively, we have so much to learn also from duality, from life, and that actually helps us to embody the deeper freedom of non-dual presence, to include all of this stuff. And for example, if, if somebody's listening to me and they say, I don't, I don't like this. He, it's like he's not answering the question. Are these beings really there? Well, see, what I'm saying is you have energy on that that I don't. So maybe you have, maybe you have a need to be right or to know the truth, to know certainty, to feel safe or whatever. And when you do trauma work, you don't have that. So you don't have to cling to those questions in the same way. Therefore, you can play, and that's what this is. This is play just like inquiry is. When I watch documentaries on quantum physics, to me, that's play. It's curiosity about our reality. I hope that answers just the question of are they real or unreal. And the last segment, we'll just talk a bit about what I gleaned from all that and how this work came from that and just some other bigger picture um, questions around this topic, other life forms, and how it might relate to the topic of consciousness, awakening, even healing, trauma, and repression. If, 
if because of our unconsciousness as humans, we do not yet know what it would be like for a species on a planet, not so much to get along, but to be conscious, fully conscious as a species, we don't know because of our unconsciousness. So another reason I like this topic of extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional phenomena is um, because it acts as a model, even if it's not relatively true, even if it's some weird hoax or strange phenomena, just the, the prospect of it, that we get to contemplate it, to me, brings up bigger questions. And... Of course, one of those questions is that, is it actually possible for humans to evolve beyond the unconsciousness? We are evolving, in my view, slowly, but what is time? There's a lot of trauma here. And so that's the reason that I like this subject, because, you know, if there, if there are beings on a different planet or somewhere else, they have a different trajectory, they might even, space-time might not even be their headset. They might have different body shape, different way of relating to their environment, different obstacles that they had to overcome to become evolved. So we can't look at them and say, hey, how do we do this completely? Because we have our own experience here on Earth. But I still think that they have something to show us. Now, people will say, well, what if they are out to hurt us? And for all those people who say they're not real, well, I've already answered neither real nor unreal. I think relatively you have to look for facts. In the absolute sense, you could say nothing exists independently. In relativity, I, as an attorney, I always look for facts. So uh, the congressional hearings, for example, were interesting to me. And the United States congressional hearings on the UAP phenomena that happened in the summer of 2024. I watched the whole thing, just curious about these questions and what we did know. And so I'm interested in the facts, the relative facts that help us understand whether we actually have evidence in this time, space, reality, whatever it is, of these beings. Um, but ultimately, the questions of real, unreal existence, all that, the who am I? the meaning of life, all that's been settled for me. I don't look to them for that. I just am interested in the consciousness question. And these congressional hearings help me see a different side of it, which is that relatively we need some facts. And we, we do have some testimony that the United States and probably other countries have some technology. That's fascinating to me takes us one step closer to investigating this. Um, but that's how I deal with these things. So I don't believe, I don't live in belief land. I don't sit here and believe that there are these life forms. I remember I don't, I don't go real or unreal, existence or non-existence. I'm interested in being curious and open and discovering this reality of ours. So on the relative level, I just look for facts in case you're wondering. I'm an attorney, so I don't, I don't like opinions and worldviews very much. I don't like beliefs too much. I don't think they're helpful. I think they come from trauma. But curiosity and scientific method and inquiry and love and openness and compassion and curiosity about our existence is where I
is where I enter this whole conversation. So it's been interesting to watch the relative facts that are coming forth. But that just kind of leads us into the bigger questions. We have more facts to discover, more evidence, hopefully. The bigger questions here are, for me, will we make it here on this earth together? I mean, if I'm, if you're like me, when I look at the world, I see a lot of unconsciousness. And it's kind of sad to me that with the possibility of other life forms, people turn away from it or make fun of it because of the potential. As if we have it figured out here, you know, and that we're not even curious about another species. Is that just fear and shame? Because we don't have it figured out here. We're we're kind of a new species and there's a lot of unconsciousness and trauma still. We could use a little help. So the bigger picture, one of them is, you know, it's about repression. It's about trauma. It's about, can we stop living? Can we begin to stop living from fear and shame around things like this and just be ourselves and have open discussions? We don't have to be conspiracy theorists. If you do trauma work, you can't be a conspiracy theorist. But you can, you, you'll want to stay open to certain things. You want to still discover. Still be curious. And I think one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to stop for a moment and look at our own fear and shame and, and take a look at this issue squarely? Because whether they exist or not, it's irrelevant to me in the sense because first of all it says it reflects back on us something if if all we have is fear or shame to to experience as we think about this topic we have work to do just on that the our our lack of being open to things beyond what we know is a problem for us some of us and i think that the extraterrestrial conversation helps us take a look at ourselves in terms of how much trauma and shame and repression is really driving each of us so much so that we can't contemplate something beyond what we know and that's the whole trap of trauma isn't it is our whole the world that we see is infused by our trauma until we're clear and healed more and so a lot of us can't even pay attention to these issues because we're suffering in our personal lives like i was with the pain and when you're suffering in your personal life, it's easy to get caught up in that and caught up in the, the managing and the healing of that. And you can't look to these bigger issues about what are we doing here? Are we ever going to be able to be conscious enough with each other to survive and not kill each other? But I can tell you that doing this work has brought me back to this world. I never left. And very, very interested you know, in all of these things because come out of repression. I don't feel ashamed or like I should monitor what I say. If you don't like what I say, don't listen. I could never be like that before because I was run in part on fear and shame. So this, this part of me, I suppressed it because you don't really want your non-dual teachers into these subjects, do you? Some people might say. 
<laughs> you don't want your non-dual teachers to be your, be themselves. Show their interests or their passions. Well, I ain't no non-dual teacher. My name is Scott, and I'm interested in the subject. A lot of different subjects, actually. And I love that about me, that I can just be myself. And so, kind of one of the bigger points to make about this alien story is it's part of my repression. I haven't been able to feel like I can fully be myself in the world, and now I can. And I'm sharing this, and I suppressed other things. I suppressed, you know, as I had a non-dual realization and it started to be embodied, I had psychic abilities and the ability to read where people were spiritually or energetically just by looking at them and feeling them. And for a while I suppressed that because I was already in the business of suppressing emotions and things when I got to spirituality. So this podcast is as much about my own personal practice or life as it is like teaching or anything. This is me being myself. And so I don't feel like I have to teach here or point to awareness or anything. I'm just sharing myself here. And I hope to bring guests on who will share themselves. One of the areas that I'm looking at are who are going to be my guests and can they come here and be authentic and vulnerable? Can they be real? So if you have any ideas for guests, send me over a message. Anybody who might explore the kinds of topics that I've written down in my introduction there or the the section that explains this podcast series. Thank you for listening. I'll be back with some weird and also fun and also informative topics in the future. Every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, you can expect a new podcast here on my page, Spotify. If you're interested in this path and you haven't started it, go to killoby.com, K-I-L-O-B-Y.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and I'll guide you through a repression test which will show you if you have emotional repression, what buried emotions you have, and how that produces suffering in your life. And then we'll send you some resources that will help. Killoby.com, scroll to the bottom of the page.